Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Midsummer Classic edition of the Friends of the Show podcast. John Cabral here, joined once again by fantastic Hyannis broadcasters Dylan Vizzano and Nick Johnson. DJ Jamil, conspicuously absent today. If he is listening, Douglas, it's not that we didn't invite you. It's that you weren't there to be invited. He decided, I don't know, maybe released a statement through his agent. He's too good to travel from Brewster to Wareham to do games at Wareham. So he wasn't there when the plans for this off-day podcast was made. What's the deal with that, for starters? Well, I think he's just a hardworking man and that uh, he gets out of work late and the traffic and everything just would have been too close to cut it. I think that's all it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, if I had to do what DJ had to do, I would probably miss 22 games this season. That's a fair enough point. (laughs) Now, we talked about the cohesion between the three of you the last time, and it seems like you've gotten along pretty well, but one thing I've noticed is the three of you haven't often been able to get on the same page dress code-wise. I expected for a while the two of you would show up wearing the same clothes head-to-toe and DJ would be wearing something that was a little off. But there have been nights where either you, Nick, have been wearing the same thing as DJ or Dylan, you have, but the three of you just haven't been able to quite get it together with with a couple of notable exceptions. I mean, you guys have gotten it tremendously correct, most notably on the 4th of July. Uh, But uh, what's going on there? Why why the wardrobe breakdowns? Um, I can only speak for myself on that. well, I one, I think I speak for all three of us, is we never once have said, like, are we all doing this? Um, but for me, it's just stains. Uh, my, my pants, I wear them as long as I can, and then I can't make it to the washer dryer. And, I, you know, so I'll, I'll wear with a couple of stains but to the point where it's just horrific and I look like a slob. Um, that's when I say, all right, I'm going to go with the basketball shorts. And also the heat. Recently, uh-huh. the heat's played a big factor for me as well. I went to basketball shorts going away from the marquee uh, orange. Yeah, my reason's kind of twofold, similar to Nick. Uh, I get my laundry done once, two and a half. You start to get into danger zone three weeks, so that's for starters. Second of all, I have a sweating problem. It's uh, It might be a medical issue. I sweat a lot. So just orange pants at this stage in the game, just it it just wouldn't be pretty for anybody involved. Not good sense uh, for anybody. Yeah. Understood. I want to wear them, but it just... I'm looking out for everyone's best interest. We need, they day, don't want to we need days like this. Nice, hey, beautiful, windy day. If it day. was today, I would be wearing them, but obviously no game. Now, thanks have to go to both of you guys, but especially you, Nick, on the quality of today's podcast. Maybe some audiophile listeners have picked up on this already. We are using the brand-new Audio-Technica sport broadcast headsets. Uh, for me, this is my first time using these babies. You've been using them on the broadcast for a while, but we came together. We alluded to this the last time we sat down, but the headsets hadn't actually arrived yet. We were given a budget to improve the broadcast here in Hyannis, and I had been looking... Uh, to no avail, really, for about two years to find some economical headsets that would give us good audio quality, that were functional, that had long enough cords that the three of us could sit around a round table, such as we're doing right now. And you hunted them down. You found the eBay store of a place called Gear Tree in, I believe it was Minnesota, that was selling a very fixed number. Only 10 of these headsets were in stock. But you could buy as many as you wanted or as few as you wanted. You didn't have to buy the whole 10 like you do with a lot of eBay sales. You threw that link my way. I was able to come in with the cash, get it reimbursed. And then the deal was so good that GearTree, when they sent the two headsets for the team, sent along a 10% off coupon. I couldn't resist. Pulled the trigger on two more for myself at 10% off. And now, I mean, we just have one absolutely bitching podcast. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean... 
They, I, I think you did most of the work because I knew none of that information. I, I literally typed in broadcasting headsets um, on eBay, to which I don't know which, which one is better, which one's worse. I just saw a price. I said, does this look good to you? And you, you did the rest, so See, give yourself a little pat on the back. They do say that you get what you pay for. So I was skeptical here because a lot of things can go wrong when you're getting headsets. They can either not give you the plugs for the microphone and the headset, or they can. Uh, a lot of them like to give them to you without connectors at the end. Oh, well, well, we just give you truncated wires. You can make it however you want it. Well, guys, that doesn't really help me. I need to be able to plug it in as a microphone and plug it in as a headphone. This came in perfectly. Lots of length, the exact connectors. We need a good sound quality, good earphone quality, which I didn't realize the other ones were that bad until we got these new ones. But uh, we're really driving Cadillacs. Yeah, right I now. mean, these headsets are so good. I wish I could just walk around all day with them on that just my voice just sounds better in them. I think and I just, might actually tomorrow. Yeah. I, I like that. Maybe get a little wireless going where we just all have headsets on 24 hours a day. See how it goes. Well, big theme in the summer is winning everything you can possibly win. And I think we did win the audio department this year. Yeah. I think we certainly did. Crushed it. Now, I did want to get to one other thing. Speaking of winning, this is a very rare scheduled off day that we've actually hit here on Cape Cod because the schedule comes out, you have six or seven off days spread over the course of eight weeks, and it's like, oh, those are nice, but you know full well that you're going to actually get to cash in very few of those because rain is going to cause rescheduled games. We had our first three games of the season all rained out, as we talked about on our last podcast. That started to eat up some dates. We had a second bout of rain incapacitate this field for a couple of days, and then we had a road game here or there postponed as well. The way it's turned out is we've had big extended streaks where we've had scheduled games, I believe 15 days in a row, then we had a rain out, and then I believe we just got done with 13 straight days of games. Now we finally have the off day, so we're going to have a very shortened version of the first day of school what did you do on your summer vacation discussion and i'll start with you nick because i know that dylan is going to hit a home run as far as winning the off day is concerned yeah uh i slept um i i double duty here i call games by night and then work at bass river cruise and kayak during the day and i've been slammed over there recently um so all i wanted to do was sleep today um i actually did not sleep a lot i woke up at nine and then did some homework for the team but I, I I just stayed in bed probably till two, so I did not win the off day by any means. Well, I went on the other hand. <clears throat> I killed the off day. For starters, a uh, couple business to take care of. I had to finish signing a lease, which has been over and down in Tennessee. Because is, you have a new job, I don't I think do we got to that job. last time. I so do. do make the triumphant announcement. So for our I huge will be <laughs> for our huge, audience. I uh, I will be working at Tennessee Tech. It is a small Division One that plays in the Ohio Valley Conference. Um, I'm going to be doing primarily most of their broadcasting, sports information, managing the website, uh, and football sideline reporter for radio, traveling all the games. So definitely excited about that. I'm going to be living in Cookville, Tennessee. And thanks to you, John, there is a Dunkin' Donuts yes, there. there. Is. That is a game changer. Huge. Late hours, too, open yeah. until 11 uh, o'clock little, on weekend nights. It's very SID oh, yeah. friendly. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in myself for accepting the job before finding that out first. But thank you. dodged thank, a bullet oh, this yeah. time. Thank heavens that it is there. So I had to finish. It's been about a week long process with this lease. I thought I was done. The landlord says, you're not done. You got to fill out the rules and regulations and whatever that means. So I, f- I finished it about 9.30 this morning, FedEx. We don't have a printer or a scanner. So I had to do it at the FedEx store, finish that. Now, the FedEx guy didn't take your letters and put them in a refrigerator in his house for 12 hours and then drive the next day, did he? No, we <laughs> we, we were all set. We were all set with that. Um, but finished it. 
Came no back. 63 game suspension. No 63 for you. games. Okay, no, Ryan, no Ryan Braun right. over there. Pass with flying colors. Anyways, go back home, hang out a little bit, watch a couple episodes of Friday Night Lights. Uh, big win by East Dillon over Dillon to in season okay. four finale. Hope Good. I don't spoil it for anybody. Then play a little mini golf. Okay, so I go to Pirates Cove. And I'm so competitive in mini golf that I don't even play because I'm just, it'll ruin my week if I lose. I had a brand new pair of white shoes last time I played two years ago against Nick and our other roommate, Kyle Bond. I lost. I kicked the bushes. I was so distraught, and my shoes got stained permanently, and I ruined a brand new pair of beautiful white Raffler and shoes. That's tragic. Now, I do have to ask you, were you rocking the Tiger Woods Sunday red shirt at the time? Because I think that might have given you the right persona going onto the course. I don't have enough confidence playing mini golf. I think that was my biggest mistake. That could give you an artificial boost. Kyle Bond did have red shoelaces. He did. He did. Um, What happened was, is I was kind of in the hunt that night two years ago. It was a nighttime game, or nighttime match, whatever. Uh, I was kind of in the hunt. Got frustrated towards the end. Might have shot a 15 on number 18 on a par 2. And uh, my shoes were just, that was it. It was out of my hands at that point. You shoot a 15 on the final hole. Who won? Did Kyle win? I can't remember. I think he I think have. Kyle won. Yeah. yeah it was it was Nick, Nick's girlfriend, myself, and oh, Kyle. Yeah, Christina yeah, was yeah. there. She was pretty Very good. early Two-year anniversary this Two week, by anniversary. the way. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. No small feat in today's world. No. So today, um, I did. I played a girl today. So going in, no offense to anyone, I thought I was going to win. I did. Um... But I shot an incredible score. I mean, I'm not good at mini golf. The Every hole's par two, which I don't necessarily agree with. There's some holes with some traps. And some I games. agree. We'll get into that uh, when you're I, done. I don't think every hole should be par two. Um, so it's a par 37, which... Oh, there is one par three. Excuse me. Okay. Number eight is a par three. I didn't know that. Number eight is a par three. Did hit par on that. Shot a three. But I'm looking at my scorecard right now. Twos and threes across the board, with the exception of holes one and three, both hole in ones. So I didn't shoot a four for the entire round. I ended up shooting a 42 when the par is 37, and I won by 10 strokes. The person I was with shot a 52. That's a hefty victory. Yeah. And I started off the day with a hole in one first shot, feeling good. Now, see, I did too when I was over there a couple of weeks ago. But I had a lingering doubt because I wasn't keeping the score sheet oh, as we went on. Oh, that, that hole was so easy, so easy. that I had this shot. voice in the back of my head that was like, that wasn't a real hole. That was just a practice hole. Because there are many golf courses that have a practice first hole where yep. you, you're supposed to Bob Barker style, just nail the first putt, and then you go on to the 18 that count. And I just had this voice in the back of my head that I couldn't shake saying, no, this is actually hole 13, not hole 14. That first one didn't count. Turned out that it did, but... Uh, it, the psychological damage was done, it, and I went over par on many of the final six holes. Well, hole one's a straight shot, no no hills, right. no no slopes. Too good to be true. Just a straight shot, or so very I easy. I tapped it, went in mm-hmm. easily. So I, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to dominate it. But then she holes it on the first shot. So now I'm thinking, well, this could be a dogfight. Game on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I said that. I was like, okay, I see you. Game on. Um, clearly, though, not the case. I built up a... 12-stroke lead was the high. Um, she did get back into, not back into it, but there was one situation where the ball went off the course twice. Some guy threw it back, and we did the, oh, well, that's just one shot because you only hit it once. 
kind of bush league. I probably should have won by 12 strokes instead of 10. But a win's a win, so I did win the off day. I killed the off day. I actually did end up there on my last off day, the last time we had a scheduled off day, which was easily a month ago now. But it is kind of a cliche off-day activity. Nonetheless, I was over there. Not to brag, but, you know, (laughs) being a local, having the connections, got to play for free. Pat Tierney, friend of the show, was working the cash register, would not take our money, let us golf for free. Was out there and saw, I believe, seven Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox also out shooting the same course. And I knew it was them because they were all wearing their batting practice tops. So I wanted to bring that before the group here. Is that so the ladies know it's them, or is there any other plausible reason for that, do you think? You, they get free round if yep. they can prove really? they're a player, yeah. I suppose that's uh, how you do it. And I actually have never paid once in the four rounds I have gone. Whoa. Um, Whoa. I wear I my. I was special. What do you I saying? wear. I just wear a high-end T-shirt, I, and they assume you're a player. Next thing you know, you're going to have a <laughs> well, podcast. Jeez. I went, first of all, I go there. I say, oh, I'm a high-end intern. I'm not wearing a high-end shirt. Um, they gave me the kids deal. They okay. wouldn't get me free. That's not bad. But Hard bargain, though. I'm on the 18th green, yeah. sizing up the shot. Have a firm. Actually, at that point, I was up nine strokes. So I actually um, finished one ahead to get to the 10th stroke championship finale. And I'm looking over. That looks like a couple Harbor Hawks. Three Harbor Hawks did show up. Drew Stankiewicz. Drew Stankiewicz, Landon Curry. I think Patrick Andrews. I didn't know who the third one was. Knowledge each other, said hello. Um, and I proceeded to win the final hole, take home the title. It was a good day all around. Well, but not dressed in Harbor Hawk gear. Just unassuming, just having well, some may, fun I mean, there. you already go for free, but if you didn't, I recommend that. Just you yeah. wear the hyannis, show up, say, I I work with the ordinance. I just say player. I can't pass for a player. Um, I don't have the look. Well, I, I, don't, I didn't think I did either, but apparently I did. Um <laughs> I, I, for me, with mini golf, uh, it's hard to go with me and Christina. Um, Christina did play junior golf growing up, a very good putter in her own right. Two people who are fiercely competitive. And as you mentioned, Dylan, the ball going out of play, we got in one of our biggest fights ever because I wouldn't give her that freebie. No. I, I told her to make the adjustment, which is still, we still quote that. I said, how can I get? I don't. How could you want that to be a win? Stroke penalty. She missed it four times in a row. I said no. How could you be satisfied having exactly? It this way? I said make the adjustment. She said you make the adjustment. She threw the club at me and she left, and we never finished the round. Um, but we made it to two years. Um, that was just congratulations. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just when you said that, it made me laugh because. Uh, well, like Joe Malkin, Harwich said, a championship's a championship. Oh, yeah. I always say a win's a win. Oh, yeah. I don't care if you're going backyard wiffle ball, cornhole against five-year-olds. Well, a win's a win. You guys know the, the mini golf courses in Cape Cod. Pirates Cove is Augusta, in my opinion. Yeah. I won the Masters today. And I fully the well, other courses. Well, I think that is the pristine. You won the Masters against an amateur. I did. Well, to be fair, first of all, I don't golf. Never have. She talked a big game. She's a big golfer. Loves to golf. All this. Uh, I guaranteed a victory. Shocker! I won. Which we have, we've coined G of V. You got a G the V. You we always say the G the V. It's G the been v. around for years. Well, Nick says it every time, no matter what the situation is. I respect that. I have you, to pump myself up. Yeah. I also never expect um, I'm going to lose anything. To be yeah, honest. Oh yeah. And, and and like I said, I was very confident going in. She said she's very competitive. I was straight ready if, if things got heated to get very heated as I ruined my shoes, said earlier. 
But from hole four on, it was my day. There was no chance. And it wasn't almost like she lost, although it did have a stretch of 5-4, five, 5-4. Four, five, four. That can't happen if you're trying to win. No. In my opinion, though, I won it today. I did not shoot a four the whole 18. You don't I think realize how toxic the threes are until you get the scorecard yeah, at the end. Exactly. A three doesn't feel that bad Ex- when you're hitting it. Oh. You, you string five or six of those together, yeah. you're in it, some real trouble. Exactly. But the I think, honestly, I think if you go hole 18 without one four, I can't see you losing. Because a, a, a four is not that hard. You take a shot. It's not a good one. Then you take another one. Then all of a sudden you have to hit that three. And the fact that I, I was very Your good at the short putts. Shake. Very good at the short yep. putts. My long game today was a little off. I did have the two hole ones. I didn't miss up close. I had a great percentage. And to not have a four through 18, I'm very pumped. Uh, and I'm excited for the win. So one other thing that I want to get to, shifting gears a little bit here, is you guys have been around Hyannis for a while now, and you know that every year we do have a very eclectic group of Hyannis interns. Uh, but I, I, have a, I have a theory on that this year. As the costs of college have continued to balloon, it becomes less and less feasible for somebody to take an unpaid internship. So if you're still going to do it in the year 2013, you kind of have to be an unusual person just loosely defined to begin with in order to do that. And we've basically got three different kinds of interns now. We've got the ones that are still in high school. We've got the ones who have access to family or friend housing in the area already. And then we have the third category, which you guys are living with right among right now, is the ones that still come in, find their own housing, pay their own way, find their own work outside of it, which has become a much more difficult task with every year to the point where you guys had to spearhead uh, the recruiting of interns and also the housing of interns. And we have, like, real-world West Yarmouth going on right now among the Hyannis Harborhawk interns. If only we could go into it um, the, the, in depth, I guess, the mm-hmm. Yeah, we can go with the PG version, yeah, yeah, I yeah. suppose, to scratch the surface. But it's an incredible thing because the dynamic spills over to McKeon Park. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way to check it at the door if you're dealing with every oh, no. person when you come here. So I've heard, you know, verbal confrontations and issues, you know, coming to a head, stuff that had clearly started at home that had come here to the ballpark, and it's got that big sort of happy, sort of not family feel to it. How's it going in there? You're in the throes of it over there on Iroquois Boulevard, is it, right, every day? Yeah, uh, 16 Iroquois. Um, as good as it could go, in my opinion, is how and it's going. that might even be an understatement. Um Eight individuals, four rooms, six boys, two girls. Um, two do n- are not affiliated with the organization. I guess you could say one and a half. One did quit. So one still paying rent though. That's the important. Still, thing. still, still okay, paying that's rent. That's huge. Well, he came here to work. You can Bru- take or leave the, the Brewster C camp. And yeah. to be fair to him, he came here wanting to work medical. He's going to be in med school. He wanted to do the. Not everybody can be DJ yeah, Jamil. It's just what it comes the down tra- to. The training, and yeah. so he didn't get that. You know, he had a long day, so he ended up leaving. But when you take eight eight people from all over the country, and and we have. Akron and Stowe, Ohio. Dylan and I from Los Angeles, uh, Pittsburgh, Virginia. Um, Virginia. You just toss them all in a blender. The Great American Melting Pot really is I think, sixteen. I think Miracle. Tom is the only Massachusetts. really Massachusetts kid. That is two Virginia. Yeah, two. Which or DC. Right but a Nova there. and a Southern Virginia. Yeah. So exactly. as they which, will both tell you, those which, are like entirely which different Which I had universes. no idea. Right. Uh, um, and I, I think Dylan and I spoke a lot on the phone before coming as we hadn't met any of them. And I wanted to get as many uh, 
Harbor Hawk interns as possible. I thought, I thought maybe if we all had a main, I guess, purpose or meeting ground, that would make it easier to kind of all assimilate because we all had the one thing in common, which was our jobs. Have you, has that proven correct? Or yeah, incorrect? I think I think it has, um, and it's gone better than I thought. I mean, I really. When when I picked the house, um, you have to go back to 2011. Mackenzie Campana, an intern, um, friend from, of the show. Yep, from Bay Area, California. Actually, another California native, um, who was also the type of flew cross country to take this internship. Um, rented a house. We went over there on multiple occasions, hung out, and the house across the street was is notorious. Actually, a ton of people. 25 and older have partied at 16 year coy usually rented out to irish uh immigrants come over for the summer i guess not immigrants uh foreign exchange students whatever you know whatever temporary you want to, temporary yeah yeah um who work the golf courses the bars were you, you see them everywhere on main street um and it was a party house by every means of the word it just every weekend i myself had been there you had yeah, been there yeah. so i called mckenzie this year knowing i needed a at least a place for me and dylan um and wanted to acquire about the place she had been living in. That house was sold. The landlord, I took her number. She said 16 Iroquois is available, but you rent by room, but I'll discount your monthly rate. If you can guarantee me we're going to book every room. Yes. Okay. So I went on a quest, talked to Lori, intern coordinator, got a lot of names, um, really didn't do much homework. I mean, you look at someone's Facebook picture, and that's as much as you can get. I mean, we took everyone pretty blindly. And then we had two girls. We had a girl named Anna Fogel who was interning for Nesson at the time, got a full-time position at Nesson. So she backed out Fader. last minute. You can't blame her. That's a mm-hmm. great job. Um, it would have been interesting if she's actually from Chicago and the Chicago Bruins thing would have been interesting to see what she would have been like in the house during that. But um, last minute, we lose two people. We kind of scramble. Um, Kelsey Grant from Nova. She was goes to UVA, a very late addition, and then we went to Craigslist for the very random last spot uh, with the very creepy six guys looking for one girl roommate. <laughs> Literally, the wording of it um, can't be older than twenty. You can't use any of that standard language they usually put in there to try to oh, yeah. calm people down. No. Quiet house, yeah, young, yeah. you know, single professional no. looking for same. None of that. And I wrote straight up like you had to be okay with loud, you know. And I explained, I guess, that we were all working with the team, and you would have been. I had. 30 girls respond within a day. I mean, that's how expensive Cape Cod is. It's just that the, it's a very affordable house. Um, and I just decided I was going to do it by first come. Whoever could guarantee me that spot, which happened to be Jocelyn Dimple from um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She doesn't work with a team. She works up in Chatham. But everyone gets along. Uh, I think it's, it, like, it, like you said, it's a very interesting dynamic as obviously there's drama. Um, and nothing's come to blows yet, um, and I don't. I don't think it will. Yeah. To be honest, um, if it hasn't by now, no. If it yeah. hasn't by now, no one. No one. Honestly, no one hates each other. Everyone gets along. There's been romances amongst the house, and uh, I think it would have been a heck of a reality show. Yeah, I am going for the best podcast possible here, so I know you're hamstrung in what you can say, but I do want to push the envelope a little bit. I, I became aware of the existence of the dungeon within the last few days, oh, okay. which is, from what I understand, a portion <laughs> within the home yeah. that can be requested for purposes yes. of that nature. Yes. So, okay, the dungeon. Um, so you walk upstairs in our house, um, spiral staircase, an old uh, mass of a ship is what you go around. Um, old, old house, 18, I think she said 1860s or something. Yeah, it's very authentic. Yeah, it is. Um, 
And so when you walk upstairs, very low ceilings, just very... Just enough to escape the red coats. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of have... It's just one big room with a hallway that goes, weaves through all three rooms. Well, you walk up the stairs and you're in the room. You're coming in hot. You're in the room. Griffin and Mark's room. Um, No door. You're in the room. This is the dungeon? No, no, no. no, This is the first room. You're in a bedroom. There's no door. With that has a bathroom attached to it, which you all have to use. Then you walk through Mark and Griff's room. Tommy Andrews' room, but it's just a hallway. Then you go through their room, which is really is just like an extended hallway, which is that holds very two beds. small room. It's slanted, yeah, slanted ceilings. Um, then you walk into the very last room that does have a door. Me and Dylan's room, and everyone will tell you we have the best room in the house. Yeah. We love, you know, it, they they gave me my choice because I I had set it all up. So I went up and took that room. At first, it was more or less a catch twenty two before we knew each other. Obviously, the best room, big, secluded door it locks but at the same time if you have to go to the bathroom at two three in the morning you got to walk through two bedrooms to do it so which who knows you don't know sure. you, you don't, don't know, know the guy that yeah. does though being in the room with the lockable mm. doors i think that does put in place a very subtle so, social pecking order at which you're well, at the top which is right where you want to be ac unit installed uh-huh. already, already refrigerator uh-huh. tv ps2 mvp baseball big part of it too is you have in my opinion, oh, yeah. this is big. Windows view. to look out at the street view so you're constantly seeing who's getting dropped off. If if a girl's leaving, then you look out back and you can also see a good view of the porch. So if there's ever a party, you can get a good angle at who's Bird's brought. Bird's eye view of everything. Bird, yeah, it's almost 360. So the dungeon, you go into that second room, the room that to the eye of the beholder holds nothing special. Well, there's a little closet that looks like closet to Narnia. You push it open. And it goes back about 20 feet. And you have to crouch very low to get in. You cannot stand and walk through some, you have to crouch. Which for some occupants has not been a problem this summer, very from what true. I understand. In a Sausalese triangle kind of shape, is it's not the right – It's there's no even dimensions. Um, and there's three mattresses that were put in there for storage and a, a, a light that you can Does pull on, on in there. Um and our landlord in the day she showed the house to us goes like uh, she's French and has a really – I don't want to say funny accent, but it is kind of funny. And she explained to us that, oh, if you're naughty, this is where you go. And everyone's version of naughty was different than hers. And it just got coined immediately like the dungeon. Well, it- DJ Jamie, a friend of the show, he was on the show oh, earlier. Yeah. He, We talked about him earlier. It was supposed to be DJ's, DJ's Dungeon yeah. because we knew DJ from previous two summers. We anticipated he'd be over every night. Anytime we have a party, he's going to stay there. Anytime we go out, what have you. That's going to be that his, was his home bedroom. away from home. Why sleep on the couch? Why sleep on the sure. futon downstairs? No sleep in the DJ's His Dungeon. dungeon. Yeah. Which, which does have three huge mattresses in there. Like it. And I it is actually room. like it I closes. I would I would sleep in there because there's no windows, very dark. Not the, anymore. The though. problem was, yeah, the problem was no ventilation. So, but now there's been an extension cord and a fan placed in there. So Two you have fans at one point. Yeah, people have made the adjustment. Absolutely, <laughs> it's it's just you know as long as you bring it's your own sheets, it's all right. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, we were talked about getting T-shirts that said like. I, I, you know, I lived or, you know, I survived a night in the dungeon and then you could give that to your guests for the evening as a party favor. But, um, we haven't gone there yet. There's still time. Still time. In the works. Yeah. In the works. <laughs> well, thank you. That's, that's more than I was expecting to get out of you on that front. But all right. So you've got that going. 
we talked at the very beginning, before the dungeon was really in full swing, about Iroquois Cup play, which was, a, I believe, a modified lacrosse game that you were playing in the backyard among residents of the home and invited guests. And uh, things took a turn for the worse recently in Iroquois Cup play, from what I understand, Nick, a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, very recently. Recent, the game itself is done now. It's done. Fade um, 100% can't play. Some... Uh, a roommate Tommy sometimes babysits a dog, which is against all lease agreements. Uh-huh. Um, and Emails the dog, sent. Uh, dog ate the ball, popped the ball, popped the ball, and it was one of those balls you Fade can't it. just go and buy. I don't know how we just came with the house and it would, the size, the grip, everything about it. You can't just it, it's it essential would, to the competition. Well, it would do the game a lack of justice if you, if right. you use a different ball. It's over. You were always Iroquois Cup purist. Yeah, yeah, and you can't. And the dog popped it. Um, Moose, a golden retriever or yellow lab, lab yeah. yellow lab. And uh, honestly, I thought it should be put down. Yeah, I never liked the animal. No, it, it, it needed to go after that. Um, it was blacklisted from the house. The only thing that was frustrating was the lack of care by um, our roommate. You know, I wanted to cry. I was very upset. Nick and I do depart with a nine and one record, though, so that's definitely tops in the house. I was alluding to the. <laughs> Potentially season-ending rib injury that you suffered. Well, the the rib injury was a different game. Law ball. Um, Zach Chase, friend of the show, hitting a shallow line drive, and I went full extension dive. Okay, see, I never understood that these yeah. were two distinctly different. Oh yeah, okay. So law ball. Explain law ball to the audience at home and in their okay. Cars well, the, law balls become the game of choice amongst okay. the men at Iroquois and, and interns. Um, so basically, it's it's wiffle ball, um, and I don't know if anyone's played over the line, but it's it's really just over the line. So you have a V-shaped diamond mm-hmm. um, with a fence. There's a fence, and we put up markers. So let's say ten feet in front of you, there's the first marker. If you ground out in front of that marker, it's an out. Then there's another marker out, you know, twenty yards past that. If you if the ball lands in between the first and second single. Then if it goes between the second and third, double, okay. off the wall, homer, over the fence. No, off the wall, triple. Off the wall, yeah, exactly. Off the wall, triple, over the fence, homer, and your own teammate uh, soft tosses you the ball. Usually games consist of, I would say, three versus three. We could do two versus We've two. We've had as, me- as little as two versus two, as many as five as five. Five versus five. And in that particular game, it was five versus five. Big situation. Um Zach Chase, we liked playing really in on because when he did get base hits, they were little dunking line drives just got over the... No pop. Yeah, no, not, not a lot so of pop. So you could rob him off the ground yeah, and exactly. foreshadow the Nick situation is, a Nick little bit. Nick is considered probably the best defender, um, so he's your back line of defense. He plays the wall very nicely, does a good job of tracking balls down. So he is the last line, creeped in. Well, my, I think my in. strength in that game is my ability to go back on balls, yep. track them all once in the air. I can... Turn, find the ball really well. Over or he's shoulder. very good. A regular Yasio Puig of yeah, ball. Yeah, he's very good at tipping it up because it's a wiffle ball. So if he can't make the catch, he'll tip it up. And, and then, then one of you can come swooping it. in. Or himself. And that's and, allowed within the rules. Oh, it's definitely okay. allowed within the rules. And uh, this situation, second and third, two out, sixth inning of a big game. Uh, I believe it was game three of the best of three. I think it was do or die. And uh, we're up a run. So you got to make the catch. And it wasn't hit particularly hard. I'm just sinking. And I fell perfectly and felt the pop. Um, I laid there for a while, and he came over to me. I, I, I think I said, I think I broke my arm. Well, I came right over to him to, like, you know, give him a hug, pick him up off the ground. You know, heck The of gravity catch. of the moment. Yeah, right? and, and, and I knew something was up by his reaction. It wasn't good. So, yeah, I played. We 
we must have lost because we did play other games in that day afterwards. We did. Um, but we ended up winning the series. Um, Might have been best of five. I think that's what it was. I never played lo- – I never played um, – Unfortunately, Iroquois Cup ever again. I had to take three weeks off, lost a week of work due to the injury. What it turned out to be is we believe was uh, cracked ribs and rib two and three after uh, two different people checking me out, one doing me more damage than harm. But and then the other being Frank Green, friend of the show, former general manager of the Hyannis yes. Mets, who actually is also coincidentally an athletic trainer himself, uh-huh. was here in the press box just to watch a game with me and take it in. Yep. And you caught wind of his being an athletic trainer uh-huh. and – Sight unseen to him, complete stranger. You said, "Hey, you got to help me." I was in a lot of pain. Um, he verified or validified everything I was thinking. He said, "Really, undoubtedly, in my opinion, crack ribs. Um, you just couldn't breathe. You couldn't sleep, and I just wanted to heal as quickly as possible." Um, so we never played again. But uh, it's interesting with the podcast. We could send a video. Um, we do have actually before. I guess you could say it is dead. It's, it it it's extinct now. Iroquois Cup, but there is footage of it. Um, there was a game that was taped, a big victory by me and Dylan. Um, we did go nine and one in ten games. Who can claim to be the one? Who who is the only team? Mark in the and Griffin. Of Mark Cup and Griffin. But we went. They're, they're only went in the summer. I think they were. Wow. Yeah, one in six. What they did. What they did is a. Three-point shooting team in basketball. Exactly. They conceded the drive. Like, that's where me and Dylan just well, thrived. Nick, you could not stop Nick. Like, so they didn't I, I'd like to say I had a factor in, in our wins, but it was mainly, yeah, I got out of gas pretty quick. After it's, it's, it was, it's a lot of running. You played a five. You got to win by two, though. Um, after the score was two to one, one to one, I was gassed. So the play would be here, Nick, just go. See what he could do. Maybe I get a rebound. Um Whereas Mark and Griffin were more of a three-point shooting team, they would they would rise and fire from deep and try to make it. Yeah, no goalie, and no goalie. So if you could find a seam through the defense, which at times they could, such a high risk shot though, mm, high risk, high reward. And but, like just like lacrosse, how one possession's huge. Yeah, you, you don't want to give up possessions. Yeah, that's huge. Not that's, we played the five. Well, because the odds are in your favor that you're yeah. going to score if you can get a decent shot. Exactly. With exactly. Goalie, exactly. And you're only playing exactly. the five. Exactly. So it's, so it's a lot huge. like a shootout in, yeah. in yeah. hockey or you soccer. You got to find a way to stop it. Right. So they would shoot from way deep, and we'll concede those to the degree of if you can hit that. Exactly. Yeah. So there was one game where they just didn't miss from there. We lost a close one. We do though against Mark and Griffin have the distinction of the only shutout near Koi Cup. History beating five nothing in a game. We, now was we, that revenge for the loss? Oh yeah, we That's we became. I think it was the next game after the loss. Locked down defenders. A big game against Tommy and his buddy Keith. Keith, Keith lives is, in the efficiency. The, yes, uh, very burly guy. Two athletic guys. It was a challenge. Test and the willpower. It was, it, and it was by all means when. Uh-huh. Quadruple overtime, just back and forth, stopping, stopping. But in the difference, we played a game against DJ Jamiel and one of our roommates, Andrew Hoover, aka Flo. A must win. A must there win. was toss oh, for this yeah. game. Well, for DJ, weeks. you know, plays lacrosse at West Virginia. Big game that you know the night before we were raining, mess, raining, pouring. The game was. We were at McKean Park. The game got canceled due to rain. We're like, let's play Iroquois Cup, and that was an overtime game in the sense that everyone kept scoring. It ended twelve eleven or thirteen eleven. When the game it is just kept going, to score, five, score, win by score, two. score. This game, and I'll let Nick take it from here. This game, complete opposite. No one could score. Just a big defensive battle, and just what it came down to is. 
the desire to win. It was an eight six final, I think. It, it, with, but with, yet it took an hour and extra. Yeah, it was overtime. it was unbelievable. Just yeah. A big, we left. we uh, yeah. I mean, if they scored at one point, we would have lost. We yeah. had big stop after big stop and threw up after. Did you no, the no, the no, thing no. the thing with Dylan and I that we take such pride in is I don't want to say we're facts. We're not, but we're not we're the not, definition yeah. of health. Yeah. And your your JV look, baseball yeah. salad I days mean, you are look, over. Yeah, you look, you look at us and you say, go athlete. No, right off the bat. Sure, but. We were. We, we am. We are. We yeah, are. And the but instincts are still solid. Nobody there. is more competitive than the two of us, and nobody wants to win more than us. There's winning, and what Vince Lombardi says, winning and everything else, or whatever the quote was, we win. We do not lose. It's not but, an option. But Those I, losses But the thing me. was, prior to college, I mean, we were athletes. Yeah. I mean, I played football, soccer, baseball, and tennis at school. Uh, you know, you go to school, you put on weight. I no longer played any sports. And like you said, DJ, a guy, D1 athlete, cut, you know, perfect. Gym three times a day. Yeah, exactly. Builds up his grain base, he was explaining to yeah. us. Oh, yeah. He doesn't I wish he was touch, here to explain he, that. He doesn't but, uh, touch anything that's unhealthy. Yeah, but he will carry, history. what is it, a Ziploc bag yeah, of trail Cheerios mix. on trail him? Mix. Or, okay, trail mix. Trail mix. That he makes, to, yeah. to build that up is, a grain and, and base, as he the, was explaining to us. the mini M&Ms that are in there, that's yeah. his little treat. Okay. The, the four mini M&Ms that's in the entire bag, that is his cheating uh, in terms of health. That is how health conscious he is. I respect it. I just don't have the willpower. So we always talk on the, you know, the broadcast or on the podcast about when we talk about mid-major guys playing the cable, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Well, our chip on our oh, shoulder yeah. is, I don't think people respect us, and yeah. I, I, we put people in place this year. I mean, in every backyard sport possible. I, I concede to basketball. I will not play basketball. Yeah. I never was given basketball. I don't uh, have the gift. I can't no, shoot. yeah, but I honestly yeah. give me a sport. I'm, I'm literally fox hunting, archery. I'll go obscure. You know, bocce ball. Croquet. Croquet. Well, even these games we make up, like yeah, we're going to win. I will make an adjustment. I will figure out your game. Give me the game. You're good out. Give me a week. I still think to this day, if I was coached for one month, 12 hours a day, lacrosse, which I've never touched before in my life, I would have gone D1. I, I, And I know that just sounds so stupid, and every lacrosse player out there thinks I'm a jerk. It's but a shot across the bow. I, give me a lacrosse stick. Give me... 12 hours for one month, I would have played D1 program. Yeah, I agree. Wow. I, th- I agree. Not myself, but I agree that with Nick. Now, did anyone give you guys bulletin board material before one of your competitions? Uh, it was post. Um, we played DJ. DJ, I think, I expected think it was during to during s- the game. No, it was after. It was after the game. I D- could see him not taking anything seriously well, when he arrived. Like, I'm not even going to no, no, sweat, no. five shots, what are we doing? Maybe he thought that, but he took quickly, the game seriously. Quickly. No, it, it got physical quick. Yeah. And with the rain, things which, got heated. Which I love because... Now, how did the rain change the competition? You couldn't grip the ball. To, it's a huge mm-hmm. ball, and the rule is you cannot use two hands to grip the ball. One hand. So you would, it, you'd go to wind there's up, a cock l- well, a shot, back, slip out of your hands. There's a little bit of air missing in it so you could kind of grip it okay so there's no stick it. you did it, all it, it, handling of the ball no it's, hand it's, only. Uh, it, it's kind of like a miniature beach ball in size a little bit bigger than a handball probably double the size of what a regulation handball would be yeah it's a decent size I mean, it's ball. a lighter ball it's very it's got the lightness of like a beach like ball like cvs the kind of those balls in the bin the yeah, multi-colored exactly, but big tie-dye-ish balls so the, you in my opinion my biggest thing is i can hold it like 
uh, I can't grip it, claw but I can it. claw it kind of and cradle it and, and juke and hold on to the ball. Where in this game, you, you couldn't. You just couldn't get a grip on it, so it changed the way I had to score. I could only roll the ball, so I'd have to juke people and then roll five-hole people. The you made the adjustment. You made the adjustment. And, and what I love about DJ is guy loves to win, too. Yeah. Like, I don't like people people who, like, are like, oh, good game, good effort, like, yeah, no, we no. lost. I'd be pissed, because you no, did just lose, yeah. and it's embarrassing, because you, I don't know, whenever I lose, I'm ashamed. I feel like you have shame on you when you lose, but it it, it was so heated from the very start, and after the game, I, I just don't think he expected to lose. Um, he said to me, he's like, oh, you know... Got to give you credit, Nick. You're like my old dog. I think his dog was it Rusty. Was that his name? Something, Something like that. He's like, like you're Max like my old dog. Rusty, yeah. He's like dog name. He's like he was a big, big animal, built like a brick house. But boy, could that thing run! And he was trying to give me a compliment, but it, you know, if you just read through the subtext, it was just like backhanded compliment. You're fat and can move. Sure. Which I did take as a compliment because I think I can be pretty good for my size. So um, I think it was that was that was really this. I knew we would win. I knew it'd be a tight game, but I knew we would win. Um, that was a marathon. I don't know if I'd even be here if we lost right now. That's how much it would change the complexion of the summer. So to bring it back to baseball on a couple of levels for a minute here, given that you've had to play through a rib injury mm-hmm. at a high level of competition like you have. Do you sympathize with Jacoby Ellsbury anymore in, in his spat that he's had ongoing oh. with Red Sox management for three years now that you've lived it a little bit? Yeah, um, absolutely, because when you watch his injury, I mean, that was with a bajillion times more force than I than I had. and It, it does render you useless. I mean, you, you can't breathe, you can't turn, especially with batting, because I tried playing with the batting, when you turn, it's that muscles and, and, and right under your armpit area, it's excruciating. And for a Major League Baseball player, when a millisecond of timing makes a difference, it could definitely slow your bat speed down. So, yeah, I could definitely see why a, a management would say, why aren't you playing? And Jacoby's saying, well, because I'm still hurt. I could definitely see both sides of it because there's you. it's an internal injury. You can't see anything wrong. So you can't ever... See, you, you have to take the person for what their word is. And Jacoby, for whatever reason, has gotten the reputation that he doesn't play, you know, at 75% where Dustin Pedroia will play with broken, whatever. He's going to be out there. He's got a kind of fragile reputation. But in that circumstance, I, I could understand why he wouldn't play. Just It, it, it does change your swing. And then the other thing I wanted to do, since we're at McKeon Park, actually on the porch outside, the first outdoor podcast that we've done here on the Friends of the Show, which I'm really liking getting used to, draw a favorable comparison between you in that game, saving that game in the decisive game three, to Mike Baxter, friend of the show, former Hyannis Met, making the catch costing him a good portion of his season last year to keep intact the Johan Santana no-hitter. I find the two of them highly comparable. <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I'm just humbled to be in the same sentence. A win is but, a win. Um, yeah. Championship's I mean, a championship. Yeah, just to echo that sentiment, I mean, we're both competitors. We're both playing a game. We both want to win, and you're going to do everything you can to win. Your friend was getting paid. I wasn't, but I still made the sacrifice because I wanted the win. Also, I couldn't let Zach Chase get base winning hit. Can't let you Zach never Chase hear the end you. of it. Well, no, no that was the Zach thing. Uh, Zach... To his credit, and I like people like this, talks a lot of crap during the game. 
and he was chirping. And if that ball got down, he would have given it to us because we played three guys across the line, which is the biggest insult ever, saying you can't hit it 10 feet. And he did. It made it through the initial wall, and I had to come in and get it before it landed. Um, but no, it, you would still be hearing about it to this day. So I think, if anything, I saved a lot of people from hearing that. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't been spending a whole lot of time with the larger group uh-huh. besides you guys for a while until recently because we did like a good cop, bad cop thing to try to scare the interns a little at the beginning of the year. But we all kind of know each other now. It's not that big of a deal. No one's gotten arrested. No one's had to be dismissed from the team and sent home for anything too crazy. So, and this is a good group of people where we all have pretty good relationships with one another now. So I've been making a couple of appearances with you guys and I've noticed that, uh, you are keeping not you two specifically, but Zach, who we mentioned and Mark Graham, another friend of the show who we wanted to be here today for whatever reason, isn't whatever, um, have been keeping just a running tally. You've been actively reviewing, not only are you broadcasting, Casting these games, not only are you getting the job done as interns at McKeon Park, but also just doing God's work and just indexing power rankings of A, ice cream, and B, nachos all over Cape Cod. So I just wanted to, for some listeners that may be off Cape, particularly in the Boston area, that may only be coming down for a weekend this summer, where are they going for nachos? Where are they going for ice cream? Well, Zach Chase um, is the ice cream connoisseur. Um, He's a professional now. It, it is. It's yeah. actually incredible. Um, I didn't actually. We joked about it because he always goes to ice cream out to the games, but he has sampled. I would say a thirty-mile radius almost oh, every yeah. place. Um, I kept throwing out names and Dennis. Where you an throw area. a location out? Yeah. I mean, well, I didn't think he'd be. You know, smugglers and Dennis. I didn't think he had been there. He said he did. Turned he, on the fastball. Yep, and he named a flavor. He threw out a flavor that he really liked. Uh, Zach, it says, uncontested four seas ice cream is is the best on Cape Cod. Cape's favorite. He now that's part of one of his announcements, though. So I think he may be in the tank. It is, but he has sampled so many. He does have another favorite. Uh, was it Cape Cod Creamery? I'm not sure. He's honest, though. And yeah. You, yeah. You take you take his word. He's he's not going to try to cheat the system. It's. If he says it, I believe it. Yeah, so I think he, he did go with uh, four C's as his favorite. He does, however, disqualify all soft serve ice cream, which is not a step I'm comfortable taking. Yeah. But he just just unilaterally no soft serve is not real ice cream is the chase stance. What I didn't even think? know there was a difference. Yeah. I, I'm not a big ice cream guy, but Mark um, has a gluten allergy, um, so it really does hinder what he can and cannot eat. Um, and... A lot of places don't have gluten-free options on their menus. So he, from that, I guess, has to get nachos. It's just a last resort a lot. So he has sampled, really, if any place does offer nachos, he has gotten it. Um, I think, I, in my opinion, there is a champion of nachos, and um, it's Beach Tree Cantina pulled pork, pork nachos. Mark hasn't tried those yet. Um so up to this point, I'm not sure what is his favorite band. So with the other day, that, that put where was that place we went where we just had dinner the other went. night. I don't remember the name. Zinyarmouth. It was the, what the captain? No, it was Rifty uh, Shippies. I don't remember Smuggies. Yeah, or... yeah. something wild. Yeah, he yeah. got him. He loved them. Oh, I thought, but I thought they were he, subpar. As he was eating them, it went from all oh, top ten to all oh, these are the top five. Then is this the best on Cape Cod? Then. Then he started his top back three down. all time, though. Right. And then uh, towards the end, it might have changed a little bit. But it, uh, really, once he does go, 
and I know you have family ties to Beechtree. Um, yeah, the pulled pork nachos throw the price out the window. Because is yeah. which my sister was kind enough to do for actually yes. literally do for us. Yes. In the yeah. um, Those days are over. They so. uh, they are fantastic. Coming from Los Angeles, where Mexican food is king, um, this does hold up as as in my opinion. Now Mexican food as a whole. I think Guapos and Brewster has my favorite fish burrito. Mm-hmm. I know B2 makes a heck of a burrito. I do. And I do love it. I think Guapos might have a beat on them. Um, it would be a photo finish, though, between those two. Um, so if you're looking for good, authentic fish burritos on Cape, Guapos and Brewster, and then B2 right in Barnstable. Name was kind of like a cartoon character of some kind. Like I'm getting a sense that it was like somebody on Popeye or somebody on something crazy like that. Salties? We were there that night, and we were there that night, and again, wishing he was here, Mark Graham comes up with this radical idea. Now, I've already checked out of the game. I got my stuff on a separate card because I got there late. I was planning on leaving early, so it was me on an island, and then the nine of you were your own separate group. And uh, Mark Graham says, hey... We should play card roulette. Well, it stemmed because they couldn't separate the checks. There were a lot of checks. Yeah, just really quickly. Every time we go out, there's 10 of us. Every single time I say, nobody ever has Would you mind please just separating the 10 checks um, so that later we don't have to give you 10 cards and separate? And everyone usually is very accommodating. In my opinion, it makes it easier. So they said no. But then once they gave us the check, they said, just write down on a on napkin, napkin what you got, and we'll separate it for you, which in my opinion is the same exact thing of asking for an individual check. No room for that. So, yeah, Dylan, can you continue? Yeah, there's just no room for that. There's a lot of breakdowns yeah. on both the customer and the, the Lack restaurant Lack of communication. End. Yes. They failed to make the Had a little language barrier going on. Oh, as well. oh yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. It'd be easy. God. So a solution arises. Mark Graham comes up with let's play card roulette, and then he explains. Anyone who's familiar with Russian roulette can infer – Generally, you know, Russian roulette, classically, you play with a revolver with only one of the six bullets in the chamber, and you have an 83.3% chance of surviving and telling everyone you survived a game of Russian roulette. But there's always the one in six chance that you die of shooting yourself in the head. So that keeps a lot of people away from playing, even though the odds are in your favor. As we were discussing, by quite a bit, yeah. you've got a five in six chance of surviving, but that what, one, that what's, one what's is the risk reward? What's the movie, Dear... Deer Hunter or uh, with uh, I don't know anyone that's actually played and as enthusiastic as I'm sounding about it believe me I have not played Russian <laughs> no but anyway. with uh, Wild and Wild Blake and everything the father and alright we'll skip that but mm-hmm. um, really famous scene where the whole it won the Academy Award and, and the pre- like the whole premise of the movie was based about Russian roulette in, in Vietnam I thought it was called like Deer Hunter or something like that um and when they go really deep into the psychoanalysis of it, and it would be a heck of a thing to say you've done yeah. because uh, you, you're putting fate in your hands. And like Dylan, you said the risk reward is you clicked and you lived. Yeah, I would the, say it's low reward. The low reward story. is you're dead. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, card roulette. Same yeah, principle. you can extrapolate, and you just the one person draws an unlucky card drawn at random, and then you then have to pay for everyone. So similar effect in that you're out a whole bunch of money, but it's good for everybody else, and the odds are overwhelmingly in your favor, even more so this time where you have an eight and nine chance in this case of not having to pay, as opposed to just five and six. So the odds there are actually better. 
Now, my card was out. I had already paid. I had already closed out. I had done, like, a Jedi mind trick on the wage staff earlier in the night that went exactly according to plan. But the rest of you had all this money left outstanding. Did not have popular support for card roulette among the larger body I, of voters. I think... Did it, not happen. I think there was about three that were down, mm-hmm. myself included. Um, and then I think there was maybe two more that said they were down, but if you looked into their soul, they weren't. So I, I really think, yeah, maybe only a third were down. So so the group decides... You're not going to get chosen. That's why I was So down. the group decides, right, we're not actually not going happen. to play, but if we had played, John Cabral, draw a card, and let's find out who it would have been. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's handed to me in the little basket that the bread and crackers had come in. Not ideal for this competition because it was very porous. There was room for cards to fall <laughs> and out were, the side. And your for eyes are comedic effect, too. I had blindfolded myself with my napkin. So I'm fishing around for cards, and I can hear them falling out. So that, that's not, that takes a lot of the suspense out because if you can read your name on the table and you know yeah. you're already safe, that's not what we're going for with card roulette. But I do draw. I draw Zach Chase's card. So Zach draw, dodges the bullet, does not have to pay for everybody. And then we begin trying to pay out shares of the cost. And there were it was just a comedy of errors. There were three or four different times that the waitresses bring back cards, they bring back receipts, and they've got partial pays split up, and it's not what people ordered, and it's too much, and it's too little, and it's not enough, and it's not there. But one of them brings out the, a fiery Harbor Hawk orange card and says, uh, Mark Graham. And Mark says, yes. And they go start and talk. He's like, what, was my card denied? And they're like, yeah, actually it was. So Mark Graham, all game to play card roulette, knowing full Smoke well, knowing full well that he was wearing a suit of armor that he was not actually going to have to pay even had he lost. Well, I don't know if you know about this. Shenanigans. Card roulette did go down yesterday. I know. I was trying to Okay, trying okay, to you know, get okay. There. But we're going there, so you okay. might as well take it. Well, I'll let Dylan. I was not in attendance for it, so Dylan okay. will do it. Should I bust service. it out? Yep. Well, you had your three voters, right? The three so, that had been the yes votes yeah, then, had, a, then had an executive session at Brazilian Grill yep. earlier this week. Griffin right? Jacob, a roommate yep. of ours, Mark Graham, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Mark Graham, and myself. So Brazilian Grill, the gem of Cape Cod in my opinion, $17 for lunch, all-you-can-eat great buffet, and the best meats that they bring you. Just incredible. So for all summer – as we're in late July, all summer, I said, we have to go here. We have to go here. Hadn't gone here yet. Three of us hungry, just the three of us at home. So, guys, today's the day. So- Interesting dynamic here because you've removed the girls from the equation. Guys have a reputation for doing dumb shit trying to impress girls. <laughs> yep. But card roulette did not actually no, go well, down in that setting where you would be trying to flex and impress exactly. the girls at the table. So, you take them out, it just becomes hyper-competitive between the three of you. pure gambling addiction. Yeah. So, we, we go there. Check comes and Griffin goes, you know, we could play card roulette because it, it, we had said, and we then there the was next still night, a hunger to have after the game after that night with the nine. Yeah. The next night we went to BBC British Beer Company on Main Street in Hyannis, and we did the same thing where nobody had the courage. But oh, if it would have happened, here's who's picked. And we kept saying, oh, there'll be a night, but I don't know how many people bought into it. But the three of us have always been down from the start. So Griffin goes, you know, we could play card roulette. Mind you, with tax and tip, it's a $64 bill. So it is Now, has Mark, clear, has Mark gotten things well, cleared with his card at this point? I, is that no well, one going trust in? Me, okay. Trust me. Trust me. I'm not trying to. Oh, yeah. So I look at his bright orange Harbor Hawk card. I say, 
Mark, are you good to go? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's do it. So Griffin's about it. I'm about it. So we're like, all right, let's play card roulette. I throw out, guys, if we're going to play card roulette, there cannot be animosity if you lose. It's up to the gods. It's out of our hands. Everybody agrees. Well, now the issue is, well, there's no John Cabral in this situation. No, there's there's no, no neutral party exactly. to draw the card. So Griffin says, we'll ask two waiters. Mind okay. you, at Brazilian Grill, the English is... Right, another language barrier. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So it takes a while to get a waiter. The check's there. People are having second thoughts. Starts going on and on. Finally, I say, we can't back down. We're too far into it. It's time to play card roulette. So, waiter comes. Griffin, he could have put it better. Goes, puts the three cards in there. Gives it to him. And the guy starts to turn around. He goes, wait, wait, wait. Very stoic and just, there are three cards in there. Only one card will pay. You need to find another waiter. Just like this, you need to find another waiter. You need to shuffle the cards. You need to pick a card. That's who's going to pay. When the card is picked, you need to flash it up to us to show that's the card. How do you shuffle so, credit cards? Just, I don't know how they did it, okay. to be honest. I didn't. I saw them converse. But you gave them the autonomy so we, to do yeah. that. You weren't on top of No them. words were spoken. Okay. Just a head nod. <laughs> he understood. So he walks over, we, following his every movement. At this point... It's like in in roulette in Vegas. The, the ball's down. It's circling. Where's it going to land? Do you have a crowd gathering around Where? the table at this point? <laughs> well, it's lunch, and it's about 2.30, so we're pretty much empty. So he finds another waiter. He tells him. The waiter looks at us, gives us the, is this really going down? And we gave yeah. him the, you better yeah, believe it, it. So they confer. They do it. And we, the thing about it, you get the bright orange card. My card is a dark gray, blackish, and Griffin is a blue. So there's no confusion. There's no You're going to know right you know. away. Oh, you know. And Griffin says, Dylan, I think your card's going to be picked right before. Tempting fate. Tempting fate. I thought my card was going to be picked too. But you didn't say so. I didn't say Wisely. so. Wisely. You can't. Exactly. It's up to the gods. But Griffin made that statement. Next thing you know, a card is drawn. He fires it up in the air for the world to see. And I scream, it's Griffin's! And Mark and I are high five and we're going crazy. <laughs> Griffin smacks his head. Oh, I can't believe this happened. And to his credit, check came. $64 later, I got a free Brazilian grill lunch. And uh, Griffin, Mark did buy him an ice cream and candy corn. He does work at Candy Corner, so it was $1.50. That was it with the discount. But Griffin played card roulette and uh stepped up he stepped up i said to him i said i have the respect for all three of us going through it but griffin of course i have the most respect for you the fact you went through with it and making good and eating the bill yeah yeah. oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah the fact because you you know you could have seen a situation where oh you know we're not really gonna and maybe the two of us in the heat of the moment okay well it was fun but no to his credit check game no words were spoken again sign tip and there it goes Card roulette finally played. I do just want to add, I was right. The movie is called The Deer Hunter. Robert De Niro starring 1978. I know it was nominated for Best Picture. It didn't win. If you haven't seen it, see it. Great movie. He has to actually go back to Vietnam as one of the POWs at the time um, remained behind. Um, and he found him you know, all on drugs and whatever. 
playing Russian roulette, and I think the climax of the movie is the guy won't leave unless De Niro sits down and plays him one-on-one, and it comes to a very gut-wrenching scene. You're going to leave us with the cliffhanger yes, so that right we'll there. go out and see it because it's that good of a film. Excellent. Christopher Walken plays the guy who has remained behind in mm-hmm. Vietnam. Great movie. I guess it would make more sense to play in a Vietnam kind of context where part of you kind of wants to die anyway. That's kind of the thing. You that's you do you don't know. It's Meryl Streep, De Niro, it's walk in, it's fantastic. I mean, if you're walking about an enjoyable everyday life, the Harbor Hawks are in first place on July twenty third. I mean you're not gonna really want Well it's it's to raise it's, the it's this thing, it's level. one of those things where it's such a life resume thing you could scratch yeah. off. Like I want to survive a plane crash. Like I think that's just one thing. No one. How many people could say they survived the plane crash? It was like, do I do I wish? And this could sound so awful. Do I wish I was at September 11th? No, it was a travesty, but awful, horrendous event. But so many people could say they're at the building, they witnessed, and they helped, and they did that kind of stuff. I think it's just kind of like that. Just such a f- select few people go yeah. through. But stuff. if you could have been one of Sully's passengers on the Hudson yeah. River, yes. I mean, that's oh pretty my solid. God. Yeah, yeah, because that's how what many, I'm talking about. Because if you look at how many plane crashes are there, never. But how many plane crashes you survive? Well, once again, like well, that's the gold standard. So, sure. The Hudson landing yeah. on the wingtips. I mean, I. I I've been to Alaska multiple times. I always think if I'm going to go down, that's where I'm going to go, and then have the kind of the whole the edge, the movie The Edge with Anthony Hopkins, and where they crash, and then the the Kodiak bear chases them for months, and they've got a spirit and all that stuff. I I see myself that if, you know, and knock on wood, I, I don't. If I have to go down a plane crash to survive it, I would like it to be on a plane that like brings it over to like Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard, because then the the casualties aren't going to be big. It's probably just going to be you and the pilot, like Hatch at the book. If it's a big, like Boeing seven forty seven the other night that happened in San Francisco, there's there's going to be people who die, and I'm never for death. So I just I, I just think that's just you know who survives that. It'd be such a thing to knock off your list. I'm glad you did bring up planes and issues with planes because as we go about. One of the strangest things about interacting with you on a regular basis is you tell these epic stories. Very matter-of-factly, you don't even think they're that big of a deal. It happens all the time to the point where I'm not going to dig it out because I'm going to give you a chance to tell the story yourself. But I've actually just started breaking out my tape recorder on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I've just started taping you saying stuff as you're saying it for the sake of posterity. (laughs) And you were discussing a situation where you got to fly on a private jet. Mm-hmm. At a time that I believe you were dating Ray Romano's daughter, mm-hmm. it involved John Henry, it involved Terry Francona, it involved lots of intrigue, front row seats at Fenway Park, on the plane with Ray Romano, turbulence, foul balls, I mean really everything you would ever want from a big time story. So I'm just going to give you the stage and put the spotlight on you and just have you recant that event. Okay, well, the um, friends of the show. we're going to have to go back to 2006. The year I graduated high school with Dylan Campbell Hall, North Hollywood, California. Um, I didn't have a usual high school experience. I did in the terms of going to school, and and it was more who I went with. Um, a lot of discussed on prior shows. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of celebrity children. Um, they tried to move away from it. They went back to it. Currently, as of recently, there was Dakota Fanning and Elle Fanning, both big child stars. There's. A lot of younger kids that I'm not even in tune with that are big on Disney and stuff right there that are are there. There's Randy Jackson's kids right now, uh, the owner, uh, what's his face, of the Dodgers now. 
at Laker great. Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, Denzel's kids were there. I mean, it's just, it was it was everyone. And um, just like everyone else, we were starstruck. You'd see him at our games or whatever. You, It's not like you'd be, I don't know, just it's still a thing to us. It's not like we ever got used to it. But I did start, um, um, I did start dating Ali. Um, and I, I came to the Berkshires. I have a house, uh, in Otis Mass on Watson Pond. And that's where I spent eight weeks every year up to me coming to Cape Cod regularly for this internship. And I believe Ray got asked to do, um, a Boston Pops guest conducting. Um, I think that's what they do. They have a guest conductor come and I, and I, I think it was in Hyannis at the time. I wasn't very familiar with Cape Cobb. Now I'm 99% sure. It I remember this happening. I wasn't there, but uh-huh. I remember it being advertised, promoted. So I, I left every year, August 1st, got here like, as you know, I left two days after school, got out, came back to Los Angeles, August 1st, August 1st, was the worst day of the year. I hated going back to LA and I got a call saying, um, my dad's, you know, at this point we're a year into dating and it's not, you know, that's who it was. It was my girlfriend's dad. It was, you know, Ray Romano. Uh, and it, um, he had been given this offer to do the pops and they were going to stay on the vineyard, um, for a week. And, um, I, I don't believe I'd been there up to that point. So I take the ferry over, I meet her, um, are you aware of how exclusive the vineyard is at this point in your life and how uh, much I, money that would have cost you to rent a house on your own? No, that, okay. no, no, no. I, I had no idea. That would have set you back, just so you know. Yeah, and um, so we get there. Um, yeah, at the time, I, I didn't, you know, that none of that made any sense to me at all. Um, and, excuse me, as we had someone walking around. <laughs> Conspicuously, I got Friends actually. Friends of the show podcast is filmed before a live studio. Audience. Yeah, I got I got very nervous. Um, so we cut back, and you know, I, go, I walk over, um, and we come to this beautiful house. Um, this is you know a bedroom with a guest house, and I was told I'd be staying in the guest room. And um, hello, what? No, no, no. We're just here for now. Oh, okay. No, this is this is just for during baseball games. We don't rent it or anything. Good luck. All right, so I'll put on my play-by-play hat here. As you guys appear to be a little lost, and I'm a little out of practice with the play-by-play. We just had a rather thin foreign gentleman, aged maybe 20, come up here up the deck steps at McKeon Park and ask if he could rent here because he had seen the, the door open, open door and that it was an open house and apparently we must have passed muster i mean yeah. he appeared to be okay with the idea of living with the three of us as roommates so i guess we can pat ourselves on the back for that yeah um my heart rate went up to you never know what's going to happen no. when you have the podcast here at mckeon park last time you got nervous last time it was chad gaspin this time that guy yeah, I can't wait to listen back. I think my voice cracked. Um, See, that's the thing you normally would edit out, but yeah. here there's just no. I was, I was waiting for the gun to get pulled. Yeah. Um, so his mic. That's goes. where my mind goes. Yep. But again, going back to our prior conversation about broadcasting, no one cares that we all have headsets on. It's no. amazing. No, like I clearly can't talk to you. Yeah, but I don't wow, want to get too far away point. from You're the right. Ali All right, so we we're, we're on the fair. You get this house. I'm told I will be staying in the guest house. No sweat to me. The guest house is two stories, four bedrooms, two bath, two HD TVs, 
It was one more time on Martha's Vineyard. On Martha's Vineyard, okay. nicer place than I've ever rented ever. Um, anything. Uh, in fact, the only knock I had on it was that it was so large that it was at the time being 19 or however old I was, 18, a little nerve wracking just because it was not built into the house and it was off in the woods a little bit, but I was completely fine with the AC units. I mean, like beautiful. Um, so we did leave the house was right on the ocean. Um, I, and we had a pool. Um, so, you know, whatever we're there for the week, fun week. Um, and I get told that I guess John Henry or John Henry's people have reached out to Ray, um, to have him come over to Fenway. Um, the Romanos are all from Queens, New York, and live and breathe New York Yankee baseball and New York Jet football. It's they that's their uh, more Jet football than anything, which is great because I mean it's a and Dylan big Jet fan can attest. I mean, a very hard to be a fan of the team, um, and they, they they live by it. And so they go to they go they say we're going, and I'm euphoric. Only been to Fenway a handful of times prior to an inter- internship I ended up getting with them, and. I, I guess, naively believed we'd be taking the ferry to Boston because it's not that long, you know, two, three-hour ferry ride over to Boston. Nope, we're going on the private plane. And my dad had flown private plane before numerous times. He said it's the way to travel. Nothing could beat it. I couldn't really envision it. The only time I ever heard of private planes were just celebrities crashing in them and dying. And we get on, and they ask you prior, like, you know, what would you like to eat? And what's like a movie you'd like to watch? And I think I, think I was like, uh, I would love a clam strip roll. I remember thinking that. And I want to see the movie Seven. I'd heard good things about it at the time with Brad Pitt and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. So I get on board in my seat, clam strip roll, Seven in the new case, ready to go. Um, there was kind of like Lazy Boy style seating. Um, and then a back room. On the plane, um, that was couches with seatbelt buckles with a big screen TV. And I was never for a second comfortable on the ride, um, just because I could see the headline. Ray Romano goes down plus one, the headline. Like, Ray Romano's family plus one dies in Nantucket Sound. Um, we made it. Uh, was bumpy. The kids were, as they were, it was ascending, there was a... You know when limos that really nice wood they kind of have that like polished wood. Well, that's what kind of all the cabinets were made out of. And as it was ascending, they were going and sliding down. I was really like, "Come on, be easy!" On like, purpose. Oh yeah, they, it was like they'd done this a million times. Sure. Like they were, as it was pointed at an upward angle, they would go sit on it, slide down, run back up. And I'm like, "Okay, like there's regulations for a reason. This cannot be normal." And we, as soon as you're up, you're down. You're in Boston. Um, we fly into some private army air force base. It wasn't Logan. Um, go to the park and we're in the owner's box. And I remember the game really well because it was over hundred degrees and they're like, we're not stepping foot on the field, blah, blah, blah. But we do have four tickets to the owner's seats. Oh, where are those seats? And so we have, of course, you know, every personnel working for you walks me down and it's the four seats going up to the dugout. Like, when if you've watched a Red Sox game, it's Ben Affleck John usually Henry sits there. Yeah, seats. Ben Affleck sits in those seats from time to time. Um, yes. So, like, the, when you sit there, the the manager's bench is right next to you, and 
Brad Mills and Terry Francona were sitting there, and I was the only one in the party that that wanted those seats due to how hot it was, and they didn't, could give a crap about the game being Yankee fans. In fact, the boys wore their Yankee shirts under their 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 collared shirts as a sign of our defiance, I guess, if you will, much to the dem- demise or the parents were not for it. Um, and yeah, it was a great game. Um, big Poppy turned down a foul ball, one hopper. I caught barehanded, and I had Tito look over, you know, raise the ball kind of thing, everyone clapping, and Tito Francona looks over and goes, good catch, kid, and gave me the lineup card after the game. It's just something I'll never, ever forget, and flew back. Ended up flying back to Los Angeles on the plane. I threw up. I'm not a motion sick guy, but something about that plane, I threw up. It was awful. But um, that was my only experience on a private plane, probably my only one unless – Dylan and I hit a scratcher ticket, or I think of something really cool. But <laughs> now, did you ask for the lineup card, or did he no, offer it to you? Because you've begun a tradition of taking mm-hmm. the lineup card off the dugout every night here at McKeon Park to save. No, um, it's kind of like a set list at a concert. So many people were sure. asking him for it, um, and he just happened to hand it to me. Wow! Um, which I then in turn gave it to the boys for hosting and bringing me to the concert. I thought the right thing to do was if I was I gave my foul ball and my lineup card to Ray saying, you know, thank you. And he gave it to the boys who I'm sure have lost it since, um, as it did not mean much to them, but I was always told as my dad, if you're a guest, um, you know, pay it forward kind of thing. And that's what I was trying to do. And I gave it to him, but, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And with, with the lineup cards here, I just, we used to have awful lineup cards that said Hyannis met still. And they had this beautiful card redone and, um, full color. Every every day I was every day I just noticed it would sit in the dumpster all crushed up and I was like my dad always says to me you know you've worked here for four years you have nothing to show for it in terms of memorabilia um, if all these kids are going to go pro I mean in which they aren't all but you never know who's going to be the next big guy why not why not start collecting some stuff so every day you know there's a lineup card and it has everyone's name on it so I figured. Well, if one of the one of these guys out of every team we play is going to bound to be a major leaguer, I'll have his lineup card. So I have I have about ten or fifteen. And when Jake Hernandez left the team from USC, I had him sign his last. And you know, if there's ever a big game, I always think in my head like, oh, I'll, you know, walk off home or I'll have that player sign it. But it's only been Jake at this point. And I think for the last two years, I had the 2011 team all sign a ball. Last year, we got Barnstable mini bats. As a gift for being interns, I had the whole team sign that. And I think this year I'm going to have everyone sign the lineup card. They gave me one of my intern years as the gift, a full-size basketball bat with my name on it without the H in John. Oh. So it's a beautiful bat, but it's just collecting dust in a closet at my oh. parents' house all these years later. Because I, I guess it's kind of, I should display it because it's like funny. Or, or maybe nobody would ever notice. Well, it's kind of like, you know coins that have a little something off with them are worth so too. much more extra valuable yeah since the last time we sat down you mentioned getting the autographs from the marquee players friend of the show sean Manaya inked a 3.55 million dollar signing bonus with the kansas city royals uh-huh. i just wanted to let that set in a little bit maybe you could share favorite stories of the summer that he had last year we, we've talked in the past about how fascinating it was i mean he was a man among boys in the cape cod league cape league very prestigious many great major leaguers have come through here including many current ones but Manaya just was at his own level all last summer in a season that was touted the the hitter season due right. to a, a flaw in the ball 
It's like Pedro Martinez in 99 and 2000 in the height of the steroid era, amplifying those numbers. Mania, juiced ball year, comes in, striking everybody out. Yeah, I think we've talked enough about his accolades. I think the coolest thing about Sean is that he wanted to sing the national anthem, and he was dead serious about it. Um, Constantly talked about how we play recordings a lot if we don't have someone scheduled to actually sing it. He always said an off day he wanted to. I don't know if he actually had the gall to actually do it but numerous times said he did still to this day wish he did i think it would have been a sight he kept mentioning someone else would have to do it with him i don't remember who it was but i still think it would have been a great great way to go out but also it takes a little bit of the professionalism away if you have Mm. your starting pitcher singing so i guess that was a reason why he didn't even though and we never really knew i mean it took us what to this second to last day to know we weren't going to make the playoffs so it wasn't ever at a point where we could be like oh well this game doesn't even matter let's have fun let's have Sean sing the national anthem it just never got to that point yeah I mean they were just they were events every time he pitched they were just events and I mean just as Nick said in terms of Sean wanting to sing national anthem is just kind of the personality he had and that season is definitely a forgettable one but not for that reason alone and the last thing we'll get to here is I just wanted to update everybody a little bit on the lingo on some of the broadcasts this year. You guys use your phrases and your conversations with one another on the broadcast. It can take off a little bit. I don't know if you guys realize that people you may or may not know have sent text messages to me with the words FEDA and the phrase coming in hot in them <laughs> as a tribute to they've learned the phrases through the podcast and they now use them talking to me. Uh, coming in hot has really been the phrase of the summer. I, I think I think that was the preseason number one in the mm-hmm. poll, and it really has gone and run away. You were trying to – I remember the last time you were trying to push lying in the grass, but I don't think lying in the grass is – Laying really, in the weeds. Laying in the weeds. Laying in the weeds. We use I, it, it all the time at home. Okay. Laying in the weeds. On the air, it, it just hasn't It's a hard thing fire. to throw in, the, in there. Yeah. I guess you could have used the other night. Cy Snead's just been laying in the weeds. You know, you, stat line doesn't jump out at you mm-hmm. or, you know – Something like that, but I mean, it's we always talk about it more in a talking about like uh, picking up girls or whatever in a strategy, uh, like kind of like be easy. Yeah. We say if, be if easy all the time. If, it's it's yeah, it's stay low, don't become well, overzealous. Yeah, and, I mean, if there's about the four or five guys trying to chase one. Yeah, you lay in the weeds, you let it take the course, let everyone you everyone know, take their shot. And you just keep it easy, be easy, then you strike. But you've been laying in the weeds the whole time. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, but yeah, it's just that's it's a strategical thing, really. I think that's why it's hard to throw into the broadcast. But yeah, laying in the weeds and be easy is a big one at be home easy. too. Bags also. Bags is good. Yeah. Explain that one. We can't. We can't. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we can top that. <laughs> what do you have planned for the rest of the summer? I know you guys are here through the end of the season. Do you have any Cape Cod bucket list things to do just oh, in case this is your we final do. summer? We do. We, uh, uh, God, find the final summer. For me, I don't know if I'm ever ready to say it's a final summer. Well, I, you guys, I, didn't you formally declare at one point that it was a yep, final uh, summer? Yep, and I, you I, backed I, off of that quickly. No, I haven't been running summer. with that. I've said it every summer. I, summer. I've, I mean, we went into this one with the absolutely this is it. I've, I 100% recant that. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, and it has nothing. I've told Dylan and DJ this to their face. You know, ever you know, DJ the other day was talking about, you know, maybe we, you know, do it again next year. And he's like, I would only do it if you two do it. 
I would come back regardless at this point because it's a family to me with you and, and really everyone else. I have – and Dylan would say the same thing. It's your own niche. I mean I it wouldn't be the same, but it's coming home to a second family to me at this point. So I, as much as I love them and it wouldn't be the same, I would come back without them at this point. I think with working with you now as an assistant GM and my role I've taken on with Coach Chad Gassman, I think there's a, a niche for me um, if it's not broadcasting, which I never – came here to pursue you know it's been a really fun avenue but it's nothing i wanted to do professionally um but uh in terms of the rest of the summer and bucket list i i did make a promise to my employers that i would stay out here till september 15th as they've put up with my schedule they've let me leave at 233 anytime i have to Um, so you've bought yourself all this extra slack i have by by saying all the kids who go back to college you know they won't be around till the 15th and i'll sit there and they tell me and i completely believe this that after memorial day was it labor day i never know labor day labor day it it just beta yeah so it is what it will be is probably like three or four people bring out kayaks a day and i'll sit on the beach from 10 to 6 get some good reading out of the way that i haven't been able to get done and in terms of bucket lists um dylan and i plan on um hiking to the tip of the cape okay. in provincetown uh we want to do that um we're going to try to do another trip out to the vineyard um we have visited both the vineyard and nantucket in years past we're trying to get out and do that one more time and then we, we really wanted to knock off some uh Hyannis ones. Um, we really want to do the, the duck cruise, duck boats, um, as we've seen them for four years, never done them. We want to do the Highline Ferry, which you worked on forever. On the um, Harbor Cruise. Harbor Brian, cruise. Brian Geiler, friend of the show, is actually an alum of both capacities. He was the Derek Kornheiser, friend of the show, <laughs> on the Prudence, uh-huh. and he was also quacking at you from the Duckmobile. Okay, yeah, so I, I do... We have talked about doing both of them. My cousin the other night, who lives in Foxborough, she works for Ping and recently has moved out here, came to our game um, and won a canal cruise. And so she said just to call her and we'll do a canal cruise. So things in years past we've overlooked, but like you said, never knowing what your last year is going to be, kind of want to do the touristy things for once. And raise the stakes if you're staying to the 15th. If mm-hmm. you tack one week onto that, we could celebrate our birthdays together. Oh, we've yeah. talked many times about the fact September that we have second. the same birthday. Well, but I never has it been a logistic reality before. I think it will be this year as um, I get a big fat tax return as the government screwed me handedly and wouldn't give me my money on time. Really, but I get two thousand. A lot of that ten forty workout in uh, yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, so I get two uh, k coming to me, <sighs> and it can't come soon enough, and then. All these hours on this, I'm going to be the sole worker for this company, um, which are giving me a raise. Um, Excellent. And the hours are going to be ridiculous because I'll be the only person there. So I figured to have a, a good amount of money saved. And my plan at the moment is leave October 1st, um, go to my house in the Berkshires, which will be rented for August and September, um, kind of do... Um, uh, Walden Pond type thing there, very small pond, just, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of find yourself, kind of see the leaves change in New England if that happens earlier this year. I've never seen that happen. And then I'm going to head south. Um, I, uh, Dylan and Cookville, I want to see a lot of the uh, broadcaster, excuse me, interns are from the south, as we've mentioned. A couple of Virginia kids. Um, one kid goes to school at Baylor. Um, have family in um, Louisiana. 
So I'm just going to, you know, even call coach, maybe at Pikeville, see what that's all about. And just, I have, I have a show guaranteed waiting for me in, in Los Angeles late October. So I know I have that for me. If something comes up before that, I'll pursue it. But the beauty of what I do is I can do it from the road. And there's a couple national parks I want to see, Acadia in Maine, the Shenandoah, the Smoky Mountains, and the Everglades, I don't know if I'll make it that far south. I don't think I will. But if I, I want to cross off those three and then back to Hyannis in time for the ring ceremony. <laughs> yes, yes, <Wow>. absolutely. <laughs> well, if there is a ceremony, I will undoubtedly fly back for that. Yeah, I mean that ties into my bucket list: win a Cape League championship. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right, we'll get a couple weeks. Hopefully, where we'll get that done, and hope to have the two of you back on again. Thank you very much for your time. Well, I think if we do our next broadcast, undoubtedly will be about maybe, what is it, 400 yards up the road at the Embassy Suites, 24-hour coverage. Yeah, do do we want to really tip our hand on no, that right we'll now? We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, there may be yeah. a special if coming live okay. from the Embassy Suites. If you've been to McKeon Park and you've seen the leprechaun statue right before you get on to school property here, we have big plans for that site in the event that the Harbor Hawks make it to the Cape League Championship here in 2013 so if that happens there's going to be a lot of content a lot of stuff uh, to see and take in and yeah absolutely look forward to that route for the orange and blue because uh, that'll be good for everybody <laughs> all right for nick johnson and for dylan Vizano, i'm john cabral saying thank you to the friends of the show for listening to another edition of the friends of the show podcast